Hello, everyone, and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs episode 19. It's a special episode, a romantic episode, because this is our Valentine's Day episode. It's just me and Richard hanging out on a virtual date where we talk about our feelings and how we have always felt for each other in a deeply personal way. Isn't that right, Richard? Yeah, I think this is if if you're going to watch this show on video at any time, this is the week to do it because you're not going to get the full experience in audio. When you get to the end of this show, what me and Ben are going to do, it's going to blow your mind. Well, you've you've built that up. Now I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> I was just doing a jokey intro, and now something's <laughs> got to happen at the end of the show. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, like okay, so Adam's had kind of the week from hell and isn't here. Joel's away on holiday. Um, so from from the last episode in which there was four of us with about 10,000 games to talk about to an episode where there's just two of us with hardly any games to talk about and a little bit of news, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this show. I think we'll probably end up just rambling off into tangents. I don't know how long we're going to go for. We'll we'll just wing it and see what happens, won't we, Rich? Yeah. You cool with that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, see how long it goes. It'll be fun. Freeform. Freeform show. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got some shit to talk about. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to get into it then. It's like, I, I decided over the last couple of weeks to, um, in you know, in preparation for the big um, theatrical release of the latest installment of the franchise, I rewatched the entirety of the Resident, er uh, Resident Evil series films um, from, from number one all the way through two, three... Uh, yeah, there, there's five of them, I believe, before the new one, which was six. Um, that that was that was an event, man. That was a thing. I I like those films. They're bad, but I like. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's weird. It's like they're in that same vein of movie, aren't they? It's like the Underworld movies, yeah. and like Le Legion. If you remember that one with Paul Bettany and yeah. the slightly weird, dark fantasy sci-fi. In this case, Resident Evil is very post-apocalyptic after the first film. Especially that actually after the second film it becomes post-apocalyptic kind of um, end of the world franchise, um, and uh, yeah, I think they're the best, the most well-made ones. But what I love the most is how at the beginning of each film they retcon huge elements of the previous films. So it's just this, it's just this glorious "we don't give a fuck" attitude about their own continuity. It's I, w I watched one it's of refreshing. Them. It's refreshing. Go on one of them on Netflix. <laughs> I don't even know which one it was. It might have been the third or fourth. I can tell you. Give me a hint and I'll tell you which one because it's all very fresh. Okay. It's burned into the mind. Go on. It starts with uh, um, reverse time action sequence with crashing helicopters and dying. Oh, yeah. That, that's, 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 um, that's Afterlife. I think that's number four. Yeah, I thought it was four. And then it's got like 20 minutes of montage of the previous films. So mm -hmm. they only had mm -hmm. about an hour of footage for the new movie. So, yeah. Oh, are you still there? Because you've frozen. Uh-oh.
Right, guys, I don't know if uh, anyone's still watching me, but it looks like I'm on my own. Um, I suppose we wait a minute and see if Ben comes back. Um, does anyone want to dial in? Phone me on Skype or something? <laughs> yeah, anyway, Resident Evil, huh? Bad series. Ben's going to tell us about how great they become the more you watch them and how even though they don't make sense they kind of make sense but he's wrong let's see if we can give him a call looks like ben is rejoining us and he's back did you? What did you do? I mean, I mean, like, did you vamp like a champion? Yeah, freestyle. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why, but my my wired internet connection just dropped out, and I, I'm on Wi-Fi now, so quality might not be as good. But hopefully, the the wired connection will come back in a second. Uh, it, the the nature of my home internet is not great, sadly. I, I use wired, but I use home plugs, and the ele the electricity, the or electrical kind of wiring in this house isn't fantastic, so they can sometimes just drop out um ah, doing it live thank you for hanging about though richard That's I appreciate okay. that could have just better <laughs> while i was orating about the the excellence of the resident evil films i can't remember where i was but i was just saying how i love how you know in the world of interconnected film series like marvel stuff and star trek and uh uh dc are trying to do it in a world of that where everything has to make sense I love the fact that Resident Evil and Paul Anderson and uh, they just the director of the series just doesn't give a shit, and there's something glorious about that. I mean, uh, so I just watched the new one, which is the yeah. final chapter, right? Uh, and you know, uh, there's, and so yeah, exactly, exactly. Interesting fact: this one was made to uh, on a budget which was um, only dwarfed by the first film in the series because they they're, they're not. The series has been actually the last film did very well in the box office but sony who makes them have no money um at the moment so i'm amazed this film even got made frankly it didn't need to um but it was an but i mean it's got a lot going for it i mean the box office has died horribly already domestically in the us i was reading but it's um it's got it's got the best fight choreography of the series this far so far and it wraps things up nicely and it does put a kind of cap on Miller, uh, Milia, how do you say her name? Mila Jovanic? Jo Jovanic? Uh, well, I don't know. You've seen chick from Fifth Element. Well, they don't ever say the actor's name. How would I, I? I wouldn't know that. Why would I know that? Well, I'm guessing you um, up being a fan. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've seen <laughs> how it's spelled, but it's lots of weird consonants. She's not. She's not uh, native English, so it's like it's a weird Eastern European slash Russian name. I don't know. Anyway, Mila, that chick from the Fifth Element, you might know her as, and the Resident Evil. She's dead, I don't know. Um, yeah, so this is like end of her story, Alice's story, which was famously the original character that created for the series of films, isn't it? She's not in the games, though as the, they've done the films, they have incorporated people like um, Leon and Chris and Claire, Barry, um, uh, Ada Wong, you, you name it. They found a way of getting all the iconic characters and villains as well. Yeah, um, Wesker's in there. Wesker's, um, Wesker's brilliant. Oh, Wesker is Wesker is such a good adaptation of that character from the from the comic uh, from the video games. He's bang on. He looks like he's literally just walked 
into the film out of the video games like it's okay. so it's, it's so good so if you literally have all you've seen is half of one no i've That's... seen more i've seen the first okay. one multiple times because i did enjoy that one hmm. um, it's good good zombie movie yeah yeah it's all right the second i saw in the cinema it's probably the only film i've <laughs> walked out on wow you walked out nemesis isn't that bad what made you walk out what point did you walk out i'm curious um did i walk out or did i sit it out i definitely considered walking out i think i might have made it through but it that was a terrible movie the worst film i've ever seen at a cinema wow the worst oh. film you've ever seen at cinema um what 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 didn't you like about it? I mean, it's got it's got Jill in there. It's got, it has um, got all those a things. pretty good adaptation of the nemesis of Nemesis. You know, yeah, of the yeah yeah. I think yeah, what that. I didn't like about it is oddly one of the things that makes it most video gaming. And you know how in video games, in terms of game design, you'll often have a bunch of levels chucked together, and then someone will work out right maybe a story should fit this sequence of levels at some point. Um, it's a film series that kind of molds itself to that system of design. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So it just chucks in all the elements and then doesn't really care whether they mesh or not. All that's all that you're interested in is for video game fans. Has it got a nemesis in it? Because they'll like to see the nemesis. I kind of, you know, I kind of respect though, how video gamey they are. They do this thing. I mean, in the one you saw half of, um is one where they bring back of the a lot of the old characters and it's set in a base which has these um like test chambers and each test chamber is themed differently so there's like a moscow one there's like a, a suburbia one there's like a new yeah. york city one a tokyo one yeah i saw yeah. a fair bit of it and, I got, and it's I got it's gist. and then it does this thing that paul, paul anderson has this visual style where ever since the first film they pull back they show uh like a 3d blue wireframe model of whatever facility they're in and then they use heat maps yeah. to show the characters and it literally they literally break it down like stages in a video game like you go through one into the next into the next and they don't hide the fact that that's what it is it's not like let's try and make this in any way cohesive you've got a macguffin at the end to get to and you've got various video game levels to get through to get there it is yeah they they don't mess around that is ex you know they do that in pretty much all of the films like after the first one they they just don't even pretend it's anything other than that and i like i said i like the purity of it i like the fact that it's it knows exactly what it is uh it's also a great showcase for some seriously badass women like when they introduce claire redfield as ali Lata and stuff she shows up in about three of the films her with mila jokovic and uh the woman who plays jill valentine who shows up in three of them i think um as well yeah they they're just so badass the fact that the central characters are women and they are so capable and they fight men all the time and they are usually way more capable than the male characters um and i think that's it's a really cool example of of that you know so you don't see that often in action movies uh, just I strong female leads with that so far i mean to be strong female characters they have to appear like human beings and characters in those <laughs> movies just don't <laughs> Well, Alice, um, in fairness, is kind of not meant to be a human being. Yeah. But, you know, I think Claire pulls it off. I think her, her recurring character and her, she's pretty new human and, you know, she has some decent character beats. But, yeah, it's not fucking, it's not Shakespeare. I'm not trying to pretend this is like the pinnacle of action movies or anything. I mean, clearly it's popcorn fun at its, at its worst and it's most egregious. But 
you know, I, I just the it's reason kind of I hard, kind of hard to knock it in a way because it knows mm. what it is. And it's, yeah, if you if you were going to tell Paul Anderson what you thought of this movie, he's like, well, yeah, that's what it is. Get over it. It's kind of the it's kind of like a higher quality Uwe Boll movie. Like, yeah, yeah, this guy has got it right. He's got the the balance of the quality, of the cheese, and the and the nods to the franchise that the fans want to see. And he's he's paced it out well, uh, and he's he structured it well, um, much better than Uwe Boll ever did. Um, so it so. was like that he could have been a bit more ambitious with it, you know. After yeah. seventy years of yeah. video games being touted as the 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 next big interactive, you know, the next big narrative media, um, and comparing video games to movies, what's going to be the Citizen Kane of games? You know, the the old uh, adage, and Resident Evils seems to pull it the other way. So it's like turning film into mediocre video game narrative but at the same time you know last year was this year that was touted as this is going to be the year for video game movies right we're going to have world of warcraft by duncan jones and we're going to have uh the assassin's creed film starring michael fassbender and i have seen neither of them yet but for all intents and purposes for all the reviews and stuff they are mediocre at best are they trying to be too filmic with something that is a inherently a video game i mean i think that's where resident evil succeeds over them that it is doing exactly what you'd expect and exactly what its audience wants um from that franchise i think that's why mortal kombat worked because Mm -hmm. it absolutely didn't try to do anything else it was just a stupid story about um the what is it the netherworld or whatever it's called netherrealm yeah yeah netherrealm the heroes and villains that exist there they will have a fight. End of story. That's it. Mm. So it worked. So, I mean, I was inspired to go and do this film watch, knowing the film was coming out and off the back of playing Resident Evil 7. And, and never have I been more certain that, that fans of that the game series can't hold its narrative in any kind of lofty place after playing 7. And uh, where that story ends up is just incredibly stupid. Um, but, you know, it's certainly nothing special compared to these films. So let's not try and be too elitist about it. I mean, I do get that annoyance. Like, oh, my God, the story in the games is so much better and all this. And I was like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you, seriously, like, not not even not even close. <laughs> not even close. I mean... Um, well, do, you, just... do you think there are any games that could justify more of a filmic attitude to, to an interpretation of them? Um... I mean, yeah, two, well, they're two, doing a there's the doing a Firewatch film, supposedly. Is that actually being made, or have they just? Yeah, well, it's like you don't know, do you? I mean, until it happens, it might never actually happen. But like they've said, it's happening. A studio's picked up the rights, is in pre-production, etc. But I mean, I think that could work very well. Um, I mean, the obvious one's Uncharted, isn't it? Um, yeah, but I, I, I think that it's a mistake. Don't that should never happen. Like that's bad idea don't you yeah, think i agree very I bad idea that. last of us is another i think that is yeah close to being made isn't it uh but again not, it has been on and off yeah the so. ultimate for me would be bioshock which i think we can probably uh, not hold our breath over any longer i see what we did there bioshock underwater hold your breath very good very mm. good that was lovely um the bioshock thing well the reason the the uncharted and the last of us films are stuck in development hell is because naughty dog are being really um fastidious about what they see in the scripts and who are attached to it and they just won't let it happen uh, them and sony just won't let it happen unless it's right that's exactly um, why Bioshock isn't happening because Bioshock's difficult though, isn't it? Because it's it, 
Irrational don't exist. Ken Levine does. 2K rights. 2K would have the the rights to it. So I wonder who is actually calling the shots on that, um, and who would decide whether or not that would happen. Um, well, also, that would be an expensive film to make, wouldn't it? Very it would, expensive. It would be an expensive film to yeah. make, and I think that's where it fell down because there. This is before Irrational folded, but there were discussions with Ken Levine about. Uh, how much money were going to was going to be put forward to make this movie? It just wasn't enough for what Ken Levine thinks that movie would need to be a credible representation of his story on film. Uh, That's so fair. It's not going to happen. That's fair enough. I also um, weirdly and this sort of video game movie related tie-in um, little kick I did. I watched uh, Kingsglaive, the prequel sort of to Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah, apparently this uh, helps make Final Fantasy fifteen make sense. It, give, was, it gives it gives it. See the reviews of King's Glaive, and um, I, was, I read that it was preposterous nonsense within itself as well. So I don't agree with that. I actually, I actually really enjoyed this movie, and on a on a more critical level, it's much better than say the Resident Evil films. Obviously, these Final Fantasy films. This is the third one. So we had um, Advent Children, the one previous, the Final Fantasy VII one, and then before that, famously, Spirits Within, which nearly bankrupt. Um, well, it, 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 made, it gave Square such a kick in, didn't it, that they ended up having to kind of go in with um, uh, the other... Who was, who was the Enix bit? I can't remember. It was another studio that basically ended up buying them and, like, buying them out, and they, they brought the two together, didn't they? And that's what saved Square. It was just Enix, wasn't it? Was it just a was it just a, a studio called Enix? I don't even remember, but that was that was what nearly ended all Final Fantasy. So um, was how expensive that film was. And let's be honest, Spirits Within is pretty garbage. Um, Advent Advent Children, I I didn't. Oh wait, was it what's it called? Advent Rising. Sorry, not Advent Children. That's another video game. Advent Rising um, didn't do much for me because I don't. Children. It was Advent Children. Advent Rising must be the video game I'm thinking of as as a. Similar name. Yeah, that was the Orson Scott card video game on 360, wasn't it? Advent Rising. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy that film either. Um, I, I don't have a huge connection to FF7, so I was kind of like, eh. <laughs> eh. I kind of did. I thought I'd have an in because I really enjoyed 7. Um, but no, I thought the film was boring. Spirits Within was underrated. I need to go back and see it again. Like, I think maybe it's, it's sort of smarter than what people expected. I kind of remember it being a bit avant-garde and a bit um full of symbolism and a bit art housey and that's why maybe it's not everybody connected with it as much um so yeah i should i should do original kingsglaive is brill like really really good fun they got first of all they've got a great voice cast uh you got aaron paul is the main character nicks um you got lena headley playing um uh the oracle the princess that nicks uh, that uh, noctis is meant to marry in final fantasy 15 and then you've got um, Sean Bean as the king, and uh, Lucius. And uh, no, it's it looks stunning. The CGI is amazing. There are points where you look, you kind of don't realise you're looking at CGI sometimes. It's that that good, um, absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, the action is badass. Basically, in Final Fantasy Fifteen, uh, your character, the main character, uh, Noctis, has this ability to sort of. Have you played any of Final Fantasy Fifteen, Richard? No. So you have this ability that only the, the king and his lineage has, which is to like warp across space. Throw you throw a weapon, you throw a dagger, and then you can warp to it, right? The, mm -hmm. But the, you're not the only person that gets to use it. The, the king's glaive, 
who are like this elite special forces group of the king. They have that power as well because the king kind of passes it to them. Like it's a very active decision. So what that means is in, in the film, you get some incredible action scenes to do with like, you know, this melee based teleportation combat. So you can imagine these guys just flying around the main character, especially Nick's and he is super, super badass and like really, really capable. And there's just some really cool scenes in this film. And I actually get finding myself really caring about the characters. And then when you actually go back and play final Fantasy XV, what it did was it kind of gives us, it gives a more clarification on the setting, gives you a more of an onus um, to be doing what you're doing. There's lots of them referencing that, oh, the prince isn't here at the moment because he's doing this thing, which is the road trip you're on with your bros to go to get married, right? And then when when all of the big city um, falls in the film, um, this, by the way, isn't really a spoiler because at the the beginning of the game, it happens like at the end of the very first act, only a couple of hours in. But basically the capital city falls and your father, the king, is killed. And you don't, you get basically in the game, you get like a 30-second sort of abbreviated montage of what happens in the film Hmm. and the film is two hours long (laughs) so it's like um yeah the film definitely conveys the ins and outs of what happened much much better than the 30 second little montage does and it really does help give you an impetus and a setup and a reason to be doing what you're doing and and, you know there's the film it's it's pretty harrowing everybody kind of dies in the film except a couple of characters and you know the city falls and everybody loses and it really and this it gives you an idea that this evil empire are a truly impressive you know ass you know real asshole threat that you want to deal with um they're really going for a game of thrones vibe then with the cast and theme um yeah i guess they kind of try to go for some quite adult kind of uh, mature um narrative connections and threads but the game is still the game itself is quite um yeah, it's still Jap- it's still a Final Fantasy game, you know. It's yeah. still got lots of humor and lightness to it, and it's still very um, breezy and approachable. And I really like the game actually. I'm about I'm about seven or eight hours in now. Um, after playing about an hour when it came out last year, I decided to start again. Um, and about seven or eight hours in, and and now I've got the hang of the combat uh, and the way you work with your your party. Um, it's very accessible. Uh, the combat is incredibly easy on the surface, though I can see where depth and strategy will come into it as i start to find fight harder sort of enemies and stuff but at the moment it's incredibly simple um you basically hold down the b button for most of it uh and that and just auto attacks just auto attacks um but yeah i i really like it i really it's a really really cool game i'm gonna definitely put more time into it but um i try to use up some of my holiday time this week which i've been off all week and and play some of that it's good it's a good game good yes yeah, so you you you've been playing Arkham Knight again, or for the first uh, time? Kind of my third try to break right. into it, because um, I bought the season pass. The season pass was on sale, <laughs> seven pounds. Well, that's good. I spent twenty five on it, so you know. Sure. So yeah, I thought that was worth it, and I've played a good chunk of it now. And it's it's not like I wasn't into it before. It's just other things keep coming up. I was going to say about Final Fantasy 15. It sounds like it would be something I would like if I had any time. Arkham Knight's one of those that just absorbs time. There's so much in there. Yeah. And, and especially comparing it to the older games where you had Arkham Asylum, which was literally just the Asylum. Arkham City uh, branched out a bit, but it still wasn't massively open world. Arkham Knight totally is. There's just endless 
detail and uh, breadth across the city it feels like so i've got plenty to do still but i don't know that there's a better looking game than this on playstation 4 i was trying to figure out because uh, i've got a pro now is there anything that is designed for pro that looks better than this i don't think there is um I don't know if that's just down to the design and the, the way that everything's so dark and you can forgive a lot of things uh, shrouded in darkness, but Arkham Knight still looks spectacular. And it's, what, two years old now? So I loved it when I reviewed I'm it. Enjoying that. I absolutely loved it when I reviewed it. I thought it was excellent. I mean, I, I really like, yeah, you're, the lighting, you know, the, the, that wet city with neon lighting that you yeah, often find. It looks stunning. When, you, yeah. when, when Batman's just descending from the sky, just gliding down to Earth, and you see his shimmering cape and all the, the rain landing and um, sort of uh, waving across with the wind, it's uh, mm. it's incredible to see. So, really it's, so how, how much have you put in? How in many? terms of story, it's mm. difficult to say. I've I've, um, I've been pursuing side missions and uh, riddler quests quite a lot, and they're they're quite strange in this because a lot of the riddles are uh, based on use of the Batmobile, which feels odd. Um, so the, there's uh, race circuits where you've got to work out the the best route, and the route changes every lap, and it feels kind of Mario Kart stroke Diddy Kongy, uh, but in Batman. So that's odd, but yeah, enjoyed it. It's lots of variety. I know I, I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time on the Riddler stuff. Um, it's one of those things you can basically completely ignore if you want. Uh, yeah. and, you know, I focused on the I think I focused on the story. I, I can't remember what side stuff I did to be honest, but I didn't have a biggest problem with the the Batmobile as some people did. Um, I thought you know once you upgrade it and stuff, the handling and and the, the tankiness of it becomes you know perfectly perfectly usable they do the thing with the design of it don't they where it's like oh look this would be awkward wouldn't it normally but we're basically gonna give you 360 degree control so you can yeah. you can basically move it like a person yeah like a turret so <laughs> like a turret on legs and in so. that mode it works uh, i think the the way that the enemy units are set up in that game to um sort of give you an indication of where they're going to fire there's a predictable timing on when they will fire and there's a really nice rhythm to it in terms of them taking aim, you dodging into the optimum position, taking your shot. Maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. And then just that sort of um, back and forth between them taking their shots, you taking yours. It's almost turn-based in a way, but in a way that feels fluid and uh, exciting. Yeah, and it does feel badass when you're bombing along in the car mode and you like you do the button and you fly out of it and you yeah. catch and you know, zip up and you come down on the enemies. Yeah, and you can yeah. fly up miles into the air. It's really yeah, good. It feels fucking awesome. Like, you know, yeah. the actual sensation of being Batman in that game is unparalleled. Um, it's weird. I, I really didn't like Arkham City, but I thought they nailed it with Knight. Um, absolutely, you know, spot on the right balance for the open world and, and the design of it and uh, the amount of things to do in it. And it not too much side shit to... Um, to distract you and what is in there stuff like this. i remember the man bat stuff for example is just you know it's just quite a lot of story driven stuff even the little sort of unnecessary things have a reason to do them which are quite fun and stuff and yeah i think they get it they get it really well you know do it yeah, really well there, there is quite a lot of side stuff in there but it doesn't feel like busy work it's not ubisoft style repeated secondary missions there's always something slightly different about it you know whether it's mm. a different 
um, bad guy from Batman's past or something. Um, yeah, yeah. something interesting to see. I, I did. Have did you talking about Ubisoft, Ubisoft busy busy work? Did you play any Ghost Recon? It didn't work for me. You know, um, that invitation through. Yes. Um, I registered on the website and it said like these are the instructions to register on Xbox, PS4, whatever. And this is what you do with your code. I didn't get a code anywhere, so I I don't think that they were issuing them any longer by the time you sent the invite out. Well, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean you'd, I, in my opinion, you didn't miss much, but it feels like a cross between Far Cry and um, like Rainbow Six because it's it's got that kind of open world Far Cryness, but then yeah, you, know, you don't have a huge amount of damage absorption ability, and you can do a lot of like headshot based kills, and you know it's very much that kind of precision gunplay. Um, I think, and, and the other thing is, like, right, when I get a beta like that, I'm like, I'm very much aware that I'm probably going to be reviewing it. And the last thing I want to do is sink 10 hours into the beta that I then have to do again for review. Yeah. Um, and that would just break my spirit completely having to do all that again. So I can see where emergent fun can come from that. When you've got a four man squad and, you know, you're, you're calling the shots and you're setting up a, a takedown of a, of a facility and stuff. Um, I just wish it wasn't so fucking on the nose, serious military drug cartel bullshit. It's just, it feels so incredibly rote and cliche. Um, and it takes itself so seriously, not a hint of humor, not a hint of irony in anything it does. Yeah, and it's just, that's Ghost uh, Recon, though, right? Ghost Recon uh, is serious. Well, it's I mean, Ubisoft is what it is. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, Ghost Recon was always kind of oh, like that. Actually, but... that's not fair. It's Tom Clancy. That's the problem. It's a Tom Clancy game. No, and they are very, very serious, aren't they? Does it... Well, I think it was always serious, but it never really said much. It just was what it was. It was a serious shooter, mm -hmm. but it didn't have to talk about it. There was no cutscenes or characters to speak of. There was just missions. Um, you take a bullet, you die. And you know it was uh, it was no nonsense sort of um, military combat, and that was great. But if they've sort of hammed it up, and you know you've got all big shot um, heroes with big mouths, I don't know. Is that what it's like? No, 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 no. It's all very um, tier one operator, and um, how would I describe it? Just all military jargony and. Oh, this horrible cartel, and you have to take down these cartel people across the whole of weird choice here, real country choice, Bolivia, um, and it's basically making Bolivia to be out there to be this narco state, which is just run by this drug cartel, um, which is odd. Obviously, won't sell well in Bolivia, but I guess they haven't got to worry about that because there's probably not many uh, video game consoles in Bolivia, I suppose. But at the same time, it did feel a bit strange being set in a real place. Um, Video games don't normally do that, if you think about it, especially if they're going to be so harsh on it. Um, but I guess they're trying to lend some realism to it. But I just it was just the whole the whole opening premise of this was a lot of this um, CIA operative who's brought you in to the country, just giving you this like incredibly like po face mission briefings about you know her undercover dea agent who was taken out we're going to get revenge and it's like we're going to fuck him up we're going to take him out from the ground up we're going to topple this whole organization and it's just like ah, i've heard it all before so many times mm. um you know and it's poorly voice acted and poorly directed cutscenes, and i'm you know i'm just hoping there's some polish that's going to happen on this before the game comes out but uh, i don't 
I don't think it will particularly change. It would have been quite nice if they'd just not bothered with that rubbish because they got away with it in uh, Rainbow Six Siege, right? Yeah. That that doesn't need any of that extra stuff. It works probably because it doesn't have that extra stuff. It just does Rainbow Six really well. The thing that the the branding of Tom Clancy, I think, is the biggest problem. Um, What that means is it has to show operatives being good, doing it for the right reason. You know, what would have been fun was, oh, you were the ghost. You were the best squad, crack squad of four people. You've gone rogue. You're now doing things off your own back for a paycheck, right? And then, you know, they just let you loose in Bolivia to do the highest bidders, you know, bequest. You know, you have a bunch of different mission structures from that. And therefore, it's not tied into, yeah, the US being a bit weird, toppling this basically the government of another nation from the inside. Okay, slightly questionable. We're um, almost in A-team territory here, Ben. Well, yeah, an A-team type game would be fucking amazing. <laughs> How much fun would that be? I mean, that's the thing, right? Self-aware, full of irony, understanding what it's doing and why it's doing it. And it's like, that would be so much more entertaining as a military shooter in the 21st century, not this po-face thing. Maybe maybe it will surprise us as we get into it. Maybe it will do something different. But especially the fact that the gameplay is hooked so um kind of the core element is this emergent style working with people what random shit's gonna happen when you're in there with three other people and you know everything going crazy and stuff you know that that element you know because that's not how operators work in reality is it that's not how special forces really work they don't they don't go to the target and go hey mate 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 do you see all that see all that petrol over there just let it on fire and see what happens it's gonna be fucking brilliant just blow it all up (laughs) That's not how. That's not how tier one. At least I hope that's not how the SAS. Works. <laughs> um, but, but you know, oh shit, we just quit. We just killed a whole village. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Um, you know, but we're in Bolivia. Nobody cares. Uh, so I don't know. It just felt very strange. But we'll see. I mean, I, yeah, it seems to be the time of year for betas because it was like last last episode I was talking about the Halo Wars two beta, which was a bit shit, and I know oh. Something you put down on last thingies, um, last episode's list of things to talk about, but we didn't get around to it because we had so much to talk about. The game is now out properly, though. Is you played like some kind of beta for Neo? Oh, Neo is excellent. Yeah, have you tried it? No, I, I've watched coverage and read stuff, and people are like losing their minds over it. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's really good. It's um, I don't know if you'd like it though because you're yeah. a Dark Souls guy, and it is Dark Souls, but with samurai stuff so i watched an hour of a video of people playing this and i was like this is so not my game i i I respect the fact that people love this sort of shit but i would put this down after two or three hours and never come back to it yeah that's that's the fear i mean if i had some time i would be buying this now um but the truth of the matter is i've still got all three dark souls games on the go (laughs) i haven't finished one of them yet (laughs) so i don't get your money's worth with them don't you yeah I don't want to add this to the list. But um, yeah, if anyone's got more time than me, Neo is a fantastic game. I put a fair bit of time into that demo and um, I would love to be able to go back to it. I just don't know when I'm going to fit it in. Shame. Why? Why? I'm going to I'm going to pivot hard now into something else. But I want to know why you give a shit or are remotely excited about a firmware update on the PS4. Um, um, well, For anyone that doesn't know, there's a couple of new updates coming in the next uh, firmware 
change on PS4. First is a boost mode for the PS4 Pro, which is notable in that it will improve games that haven't even been recoded to perform better on the Pro. So as I understand, hold on, didn't Sony say they were never going to do that? I'm pretty yep. sure that was something they said they weren't going to do. Yeah, okay. now, but now they've done it. So yeah, you can okay. uh, flick over this boost mode switch in the um, options, and that will apparently improve frame rates to varying degrees in any PS4 game um, that hasn't been um, actually improved uh, via a patch for the Pro. So I, I haven't seen uh, how pronounced that difference will be. I'm going to be cynical about it for now. I don't think there will be that much difference. but I've, I've heard some good things, actually. Really? Uh, people talking about Bloodborne, which has got some really chunky frame rate issues at points and uh, long load times, say yeah. both are significantly improved. What um, I've heard is that it's going to improve consistency rather than overall frame rate, because obviously games are going to be locked at a certain frame rate um, as part of the game design, aren't they? So if something is 30 frames a second... It will still be 30 frames a second. It's just just going to be a consistent 30 frames. It won't be dropping frames. So I've heard the one of the most egregious frame rate um, problem games on consoles, Just Cause as well, has yeah. had a significant bump in performance as well. So that's that's good to know because that was one of the biggest problems I had with it when I reviewed it. <laughs> no, it was a fucking terrible stuttery mess every time there was an explosion um see that see the thing is right i i saw this story and i was like oh shit maybe it's maybe i should think about getting a pro uh and then i went mm, i have like 20 games 30 games on ps4 i have 450 games on xbox one and the scorpio is just around the corner later this year i'm gonna wait for that i'm gonna wait for the scorpio i'm hoping that does something similar um for a lot of those existing xbox one games and i i can't imagine it won't really can you i think i mean that seems like it has to happen with the scorpio yeah you would think so it's going to be more powerful than the pro by some margin and I, if it's just something that they can code something that they're going to have to put into the um they can just deliver via an update microsoft will do it because um, in terms of software updates, I think it's fair to say Microsoft are more on the ball than Sony are in that, that, in that mm. area. Uh, but yeah, talking about you having 400 games on Xbox, that's kind of why I'm excited for the HD um, hard drive support for um, PS4. External hard drive support is coming in this next update. And that's yes. One of, one of the big reasons why I don't buy PS4 games very often is because it's got a fixed internal memory and it's a real pain in the ass to swap out. I mean, you can do it. You can buy a bigger hard drive and p plug it in. But who wants that faff of transferring all their stuff over? Um, yeah, it's, it's an arsehake, isn't it? That sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a real pain. So if they're enabling just um, plug-and-play external hard drive support, that will make me buy more games. It's as simple as that. Yeah, uh, that's... that's Well, I don't know. I My Xbox, to me, will probably still be my primary, but, you know, there's some exclusives on PS4 I like picking up and stuff. I, for example, just picked up... Um, not exactly performance-heavy, but I really want to play it. I just picked up Abzu um, on PS4 because it was, like, seven quid or something in a sale. Oh, I was like, well, maybe, the, maybe even um, less than that. Is that from the guy who did Journey? No, no, it's not. I mean, it's, it's Journey reminiscent, um, but it's not in any way related to the developer. Um, it just no, happens not to have that vibe. There's a fella. 
I didn't. I didn't. Maybe, maybe it doesn't. I don't think it looks that much like Journey, but maybe. I don't know. Um, I just really like the, the whole. I've heard so many good things about it last year. It was one of the games I missed that and the witness that I needed to to scratch off the old backlog. So I'm going to try and get some time to. I don't think it'll be a long experience, but put some time into that and, uh, and play that at some point soon. But of course, that. Uh, other news in the last couple of weeks. This is interesting news, actually. This is interesting news. And I think it's indicative of how much trouble they're in. Um, but E3 is now a consumer show of sorts. I wouldn't say it's not, it's not Gamescom big you know that's like 150,000 people but starting this year at this e3 the sale of the tickets i think is happening this week um you will be able to buy there's gonna be 15,000 tickets available to the general consumer so that you can just buy a ticket and go to e3 hmm. what, i mean that's it's interesting isn't it richard i mean it's always been this this big kind of you know industry event focused around the press and, and showing off the games to the insiders and stuff like that but slowly and they've done this before. Never sold them openly. No, they, they last year they let in. Um, they had like get they, they had guests. They called them. I think they called them like prosumers, like um, high heavy end enthusiastic individuals from from various websites and stuff were given access to E3, but they never sold the tickets. Um, and I think what the problem is is E3 is is having problems with revenue. Um, more and more publishers are deciding to do their own thing. They don't see. E3 is necessary. They're not showing on the show floor like they used to. Uh, reports last year that were that were many of the halls at the convention center in LA were actually empty. That would normally have been full of um, things to show and stuff. So you know it's shrinking, and I think they're trying to do this to a get more revenue and b encourage those people to come back because they're giving going to give them a whole new audience of people that are going to run to Twitter and do the publicity for them. You know, mm, based on yeah. what they see um so i think i i think i don't know i mean it's not it's not a problem i guess i mean i think the thing you have to be aware with aware of if you're a consumer at e3 be prepared to queue be well, prepared prepared to queue for a really long time if you're just <laughs> this on uh, a stream which i will be as usual it it's not a down it's not a detriment to me or you is it it's it's possibly no. a downside to anyone who wants to go so I think they'll probably find they'd have a better experience watching at home. But um, I mean, you know, it's nice to have the option, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the ticket prices are pricey. I think they are about 150 quid if you get them in the early bird thing. Um, and you're buying for three for three whole days for the whole show. Um, and then they go up to like 250 um, after the initial batch is done. Um, so they're obviously the people behind it are looking to make some serious money out of this. Because if you yeah. think about it. That's all of that money is just completely on top of nothing. I mean, it's not like they've increased their operating costs, is it? So they're, they're literally all of those ticket sales are just profit. That's just money in the bank for them, you know, to, to do with as they will. Um, well, and like, sort of. I mean, there'll be additional costs for. No, I don't think they will because I no because fifteen things. No, nah, because fifteen thousand people over three days uh, in a in a, a place such as that isn't going to strain the resources that much. Um, because if you look at Cologne, that have hundred thousand people, hmm. right? You, you never E three is never even going to have that. That's never going to have those kind of numbers. You know, in the special in the press and stuff there, right? So. 15,000 should be something I imagine they can take without too much of a of an inconvenience for them, I would have thought, mate. Uh, maybe there'll be a little bit of an operating cost increase, but it's not going to be huge. 
Are they selling um, tickets to Syrians or is that not allowed? <laughs> a little bit political there for Richard. <laughs> Talking about a sort of no-fly list thing that might have happened recently with the Trump administration. Ooh, possibly. But it was Obama who made the list, I'll have you know, Richard. That's right. It was Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He's responsible for 9-11 as well, I heard. He, it's true. It's all true. Everything you hear, it's true. Hmm. Um, weird. Have you seen, though, talk, we will talk about that. Have you seen... What, some developers and how and publishers are how they're making stands on this shit and valve just came out and talked about how how much bullshit this was and how they're worried about certain members of staff that they might might have to you know leave the country it's, and yeah, it's a serious problem for big tech companies so google microsoft who've all got um people from employed in all sorts of nations haven't they who travel, travel yep. back and forth to the us so yeah it's a real problem for them it's a real problem for any international business i mean it's like yeah. It's it, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But before you shouldn't go into that too much right now. But um, so would you be tempted to buy a ticket for E3, Richard? If you if you if you if you, if you, if you could go, I mean, if you could I, go, I you'd be tempted. I yeah. absolutely can't this time, but it's always something I'd want to do. Um, I'd I'd rather go to Cologne personally, but um, yeah, I think I probably would. Too. Germany. Yeah. Germany seems more interesting to me than LA. Is, is, is something I want to do. It doesn't matter where it is, really. I just want to go to one. Have you you've not even have you not even done an EGX? No. You've never done any kind of video game con. I have when I was younger. I went to the Atari mm. show. That must have been enlightening. Yeah. Space thought, Invaders? What, thought, what are we talking about? Uh I don't know. You wouldn't know. It's before your time. Uh, <laughs> I saw Brian May there. That dates it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Br random though. Brian May. Why? Uh, well, he, he was with his son, like buying Atari games. I think. Oh, he okay. There, like, for the for the show, he was just like. But we need to get you. We need to get you to a con. It's um, yeah. certainly a thing. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's 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 more work than you think it is. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> but it, it is an experience. Uh, but I I I don't think this is going to change E three. I mean, it was like. Watching some of the big outlets cover this uh, this story was quite funny because it's there's a little bit of an element of well, it's our club, isn't it? You can't come into our club. You don't get to come in and this is what this is just for the press. Yeah. You don't get to do that. And then some of them are, have clearly got that undercurrent running through them, but they're very carefully not saying what's on their mind. You know, and they're trying to come up with lots of reasons why it's a bad idea and and all of this. I, really, I don't I don't see it. Like I said, fifteen thousand isn't a massive increase and those people will have no backs back um, behind the scenes meetings or anything like that so they're literally just going to be queuing up at kiosks and the big enough the press that are there anyway um well you know they don't queue most of them so it's like why are they, why are they worrying it's just don't 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 come to our club you're not invited um which i, I just think all that actually is quite funny um should we talk about some of the games we've been playing in the last couple of weeks for review purposes can do should I talk about yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got some interesting. Yeah, I played some of that as well. So go on. Kick us off on Uncali Valley. Um, what was that game I reviewed a while back at Claire? If anyone saw Claire, that yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. This reminded me of that, but it's loads better. So it's like um 2D side-on survival horror thing. Uh, it's an indie project, so obviously it's kind of pixel art. Um, 
This is not the usual sort of pixel art, though. It reminds me of an Amiga game in a way. It's got that sort of vibe of point-and-click Amiga games, you know? And mm. the idea is you're this guy uh, called Tom. He's running away from something, although it doesn't tell you what. And he's taken a job out somewhere isolated. So a bit of a Firewatch vibe. And... Um, you drive through the snow, this guy picks you up, you drive through the snow to this facility and you're employed as a security guard. You're looking after the place for reasons unknown. You don't know what the facility is, why it's there, uh, what exactly you're looking after and why you're looking after it because there's no one around anyway. So it's all very mysterious and it feels kind of like The Shining in that way as well. So um, already it's got lots of influences in the setup that make you feel a little bit uneasy about where this is going to go. Uh, what's really interesting about it is that it manages to be tense, um, unnerving, and scary just through its normality, um, because it really is just um, at the opening moments, um, and it is moments because it's quite a short game that's intended to uh, bear repeated playings. Uh, for the first few moments, it, it's kind of work-like, so you, you're introduced to your security booth you get to stand around in your booth you get to go back to your room and take your uniform off and go to bed you put your uniform back on go to your booth have a walk around some floors where nothing happens and it's all very nondescript um you know uneventful and it sets up this kind of well what is going to happen to me kind of feeling and then weird things do start happening to you and i don't want to tell you what they are because um, half the appeal is in you know, realizing, oh shit, that's going to happen. So I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but um, yeah, there are some moments in this. It's got multiple endings. So it does encourage you to play through um, for repeated tries. And it's got kind of a timing element as well. So every day that you go to work, you're on like a maybe like six minutes is, is equivalent to a day. So you've got about six minutes during that day to do your job. And different events will come up, like you might have to turn the power back on or you might have to talk to a particular person and uh, befriend them, uh, whatever. There's different there's different things that you can do and tick off a list of objectives and you've got a certain amount of time to do that. So it does bear repeated play where you figure out something in one play and then you might go back the next time and realise, right, now I know what to do. I've got some time to do that and then see where that leads. And gradually you'll uncover more and more of the story Um get access to more and more of the world and um it's really really engaging it's um it's it's got kind of the same vibe as the fall which i reviewed i think last year um so it's all a very very dark sinister um sort of, sort of black environment and um I've, i enjoyed my time with it I've, i think i've played through four times now uh, i think that's probably it for me i've i've seen probably everything it's got to offer uh, but i did play through it four times and enjoyed every one of those playthroughs and some of the um the endings that you'll see as i say, i'm not going to ruin them but it's worth a go play it because it's um it you'll get you'll get through a play in probably an hour or less and some of the endings are him, so do it <laughs> yeah I, I i agree i i've played i haven't quite got i think i must be quite near one ending then in that case so i've put mm -hmm. about an hour in um but yeah the tone is 
it's brilliant. It's just so um, oppressive um, and tense and just yeah you start developing like a paranoia there's some nice there's nice gameplay mechanics with your torch and how running works um i haven't had any combat yet um though i know um, there are some combat mechanics in there it does sound um, up with gun controls at the very beginning of the game but you don't encounter that until very far in um and even then there are playthroughs where you don't need it actually you probably don't need it ever you you could get through the game without using the gun and it never reintroduces you to those controls. So in terms of its um, control design, it, it could do better. Do you know one thing I really hated was the analog stick not working? That bugged me. Yeah, yeah. Because you start the game just lying down, don't you? And I thought, well, is, is this just waiting for me to do something? or? or Why does that game not have analog stick control? I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, really odd. So I was, there, I was there for a while just trying to stand up with the analog stick. But it mm -hmm. doesn't work. Um, yep. so yeah, it's a d-pad only game also one weird thing another weird thing was like there's a different button for interaction to what there is to like moving an object yeah which is uh, like why does that require a different button yeah that does a little bit odd and yeah. the, the gun controls are, uh don't really make a lot of sense either it's like b to get your gun out y to reload and then a to shoot it but you get a gun until about in if you get one at all and then you don't need to use it mm -hmm. to use it and you die so. yeah i mean but you you can look for you can look past slightly quirky controls i suppose when yeah when a tone and a, and a sort of a, a slightly um i guess it's an implied narrative um it's not that explicit with a lot of what's going on but i, I suppose it becomes a lot clearer when you've done multiple playthroughs yeah it depends who you encounter i mean there are a couple of characters that you can talk to um no more than that it is supposed to be an isolated facility but you will come across computers that you can log into read emails get clues about yes. what you need to do next um, there are videotapes and cassette tapes that you can find to um see what's happened in this facility or hear recordings of people talking about uh what they're doing there and and it's it, it's all tied into the um, Amiga like aesthetic as well. So the the cassette tapes that you listen back to, they sound like really badly sampled Amiga um, speech. So cool. yeah, they've um, thematically kept it all in that uh, that sort of right that range. So yeah, you've got a full review coming soon, yeah. Yeah, that should be coming up uh, this weekend. I look forward to reading that actually. Um, no, but it's definitely. Uh... Yeah, it, I didn't actually get around to playing Claire, but I'm glad you tell me it's a lot better. So, yeah, it's... I mean, Claire, Claire was a mess of navigation. You couldn't figure out where you were going or what you were doing. But um, what this does is show you exactly where you are. And, and uh, you know, you in no uncertain terms, you know what the facility is in terms of like, that, that's the lift, that's a kitchen, that's a living room, that's my bedroom. Um, you can see everything properly, unlike Claire, which thought being dark was enough to be scary. Uh, but this shows you everything, and it's the normality that unsettles you. I had this thing where I passed out and I controlled my character through a dream, and that dream was fucking unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, man, there's some weird shit in there. Um, but it had, uh, it's all connected then in cre creepy games. Have you had a chance to play any more VR Resi 7? 
Um, not this week, because I've been ill. And if I'm sniffing anyone, I'm really sorry if it's annoying on the record. But um, I'm still suffering from a cold. So no, I have no, in VR. I, I'm curious to get your take on that whole game when you when you finish it in VR or something like that. I I, I will be intrigued to see what you think about that game. Yes, because from what I've heard, VR makes it so much better. Like, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, last time we talked better. about it, you were on kind of a downer about the combat accuracy, but um, from my experience and from what other people have said, it works so much better in VR. The it's idea- not, not so much accuracy, feel is how I would say. I had a problem with the combat feel um, more than, more than I, I can aim it fine. I just, the problems I had was with the way the guns felt. My argument being, if you're going to put guns in the game, you need to make them feel better than that. Like, otherwise, just don't. Just If, you, if they're going to feel like an afterthought that hasn't been put in properly, just, just don't do it. Just mm. don't do it. But I've heard, you know, it feels better in VR because I imagine everything's a lot more visceral. And you're probably, you're probably thinking about that sort of thing a lot less, um, you know, when everything's in your face. <laughs> as it were yeah. well yeah so. you are thinking about it less i mean the aiming is literally just looking at somebody yeah um and that, that doesn't mean it's pinpoint they've deliberately made it a little bit shaky so you well can... i i, I uh, previous um brit xbox uh editor from back in the day mark um watched my review and he basically said well you're not meant to be good with a gun because you're not you know you're a dude you're not some military guy or a policeman you're not meant the gun handling isn't meant to feel good and i'm like i'm sorry but that don't play in my mind if you're gonna no that doesn't work for me to say the say the gunplay has a narrative reason to suck is is bullshit it's a bullshit excuse that it's just no that doesn't work i'm sorry you i expect a certain quality to the to the way it should be in a game because of you know we've had 30 years of good first-person shooters or wherever it is. So, yeah. Uh, no, I don't agree. I mean, if you're going to go that far, then you need to say how you reconcile that with what Resident Evil is trying to do, and that's to make you feel uneasy and under threat. Now, if the guns work that well, it undermines the purpose of... No, but it's not about them. it's not about them being, like, super powerful at dropping enemies. It's just about it feeling like i'm holding and wielding a weapon that kills people not a pop gun or a bb gun or a toy gun that doesn't seem to have any weight or resonance or impact but you know what i mean it's not it does that i mean it from my from my play of it it feels like the guns are fine if you can land your shots it's quite a challenge to actually land the shots and that's the right balance i think if it was easy to target, you could get your headshots every time. Then the only I got I got headshots I got headshots ninety percent of the time, something like that maybe. Well. What the what what I did find out after my review is that there are there is um, random dice rolls happening that will um, decide on crits. So what that means is your headshots can be more powerful randomly. Oh, that's um cool. yeah so there's shit like that that's just like what what the fuck is that why have you again you can't you can't do that in a in a, in a first person shooter that's trying to be quasi realistic you know if it's fucking borderlands and i can see the numbers 
coming off someone's head, then okay, yeah, fine. But that that doesn't that doesn't play in a game like that. It just doesn't play. But once again, I I want to you know we'll talk about it when you get your your full VR playthrough through. But I I have a sneaky suspicion this is a game that they conceived for VR that was developed for VR and that works best in VR. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 yeah, it is what it is. I didn't love it. Like some people did. I also don't think it's anywhere near as scary as it should be. Um, but there you go. There you go. That's, that's like last week's discussion. So I should probably bring up something of this week's discussion to talk about actually another, a game set in another facility because facilities are very popular in video games, aren't they? Everybody loves a creepy facility of some kind. Um, so you were just talking about Uncanny Valley in a facility. And I was playing a game uh, called The Assembly. Another VR is... game. Yes! And they didn't try to sort of really do anything with this to make it not look like a VR cheap and hurried VR port. Including, you know the VR control method where you can teleport around the room yeah. and not have to move? That's still in the game. They left that in. Brilliant. They left that in. <laughs> it's got a dedicated button on the controller. So I can just, so you can press a button and then you get like um, a representation of a person, which mm. you can then sort of move over to the wall in front of you and just teleport straight there. Mm. It's just like the quirkiest, weirdest thing to have in what should be like a first person, just standard sort okay. of uh, walking around game. It's really, really strange. But basically the assembly, um, it's pretty good, man. It's an Unreal Engine 4 game. And, you know, because they knew it was a VR game, the fidelity of the textures and the visuals is very, very good. Everything looks nice. You can read all the text on the walls. You can walk up to a sign and read it, you know, natively. Um, and all that works really nicely. Um, basically, it's a point-and-click adventure uh, with some light puzzle elements. You play as two different characters. It's a very narrative-based game, so it's going to be difficult to talk about because I don't want to spoil it. Uh play as two different characters. You play as one who is um, a new inductee into... Uh, the assembly and another one who is a scientist who's been working at the assembly for some time uh and the inductee is where most of the puzzles come from because she's being like tested as she is being brought in like will, are you good enough to be a member of this uh this entity this facility this corporation uh and the other guy is basically investigating the use of a previous project of his which he thinks is being twisted and used in nefarious ways uh, behind his back um so it's to do yeah it's cool man it's got it's it's got a fun it's an interesting hook um the game looks really nice it's a lot of walking around opening drawers looking for stuff mm -hmm. which you kind of expect in an early vr game yeah. um it plays fine i mean it's fine it's fine in that regard it's, it feels a bit weird because like you said it should be a vr game um so having the, the teleportation mechanic in there is funny as fuck um but the normal first person controls work fine um but it's definitely about the story and I'm intrigued to keep going and finishing it and, and doing the review when I've beaten the story because, uh, well, you know, like a like a Firewatch or an Oxen Free or anything like that, these games, you know, they either work or they don't based on the strength of the narrative. Yeah. Uh, I will say the voice acting is very, very good. The dialogue has been very well written. Um, the two characters are interesting and have interesting backstories. And the more I find out about them, it, it seems like a well-observed, some well-written scientific kind of concepts and jargon and processes that do feel very realistic. Uh, I'm not a scientist. My brother is. I'm going to ask him about it and see if he thinks it's realistic. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, yeah, a really cool little experience. I've not really heard anybody talk about until the code popped up uh, in an email, and I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. That sounds kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the assembly. Yeah. I am I... I keep Go looking on. at it on uh, PSVR because um, it's it's available on PSVR as well. 
Um, well, you should get. I'd be great if you if you got it and gave me some game. You know, maybe we can talk about it from a VR perspective as well. That'd be how how expensive is it on PSVR? Rough, do you know or top of your head? It retails at twenty pounds. I've seen it cheap. Okay. So it's uh, it's one of the sort of mid tier price VR experiences. Most of fifteen pounds or less, or you know. The odd one goes up to 50. I, I, I think, I mean, from what I've played, that sounds fair because there's clearly a lot of work has gone into it. Um, you know, the, the, the environments are very well designed. Like I said, the fidelity is really nice using the UE4. It looks it looks good, like really good. Um, and, and the, you know, the voice acting is top notch, high quality, professional production. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a little indie game. It feels like something a AAA guy, uh, team would do on the side, you know, or as an experiment um how long is it yeah uh, i think it's meant to only be, it's i did actually look it up like how long to beat.com or something like that there's a website where you can look up how long it takes to finish a game it says about four and a half hours right so um i i, I, I yeah that that price is right on the level there i, I like it's kind of like yeah could go either way couldn't it depending on what you how you enjoyed it i suppose yeah that's um, the thing with vr experiences i do like giving them a crack but um more often than not, they're fairly short. So if it's more than 15, 20 quid, then you start thinking, what what is the value proposition here? Well, yeah, it's like replayability. I can't really see there being any of that in this at all. Once you've been in this and you've got the story, there's, I don't think there'll be any reason to go back. Because hmm. um, the puzzles I've experienced so far are like one and doneers. Like once you've beaten them, there's not there's nothing you can take extra you can take away from it. But I have some cool ideas in there, though. I'm enjoying it so far. So the, okay, I should, the puzzles yeah. work in themselves. Then do they? They're not just an excuse to yes. play, play with the VR technology. Seem to work in themselves. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're they're cool. There's some cool. There's some cool ideas. There's some cool stuff in there. Uh, I shall move on though to Kill the Bad Guy, which I won't talk about for long because it's quite a slight experience. Do you know anything about Kill the Bad Guy, Richard? No. It's a puzzle game, right? And the, the concept is you work for this extra governmental agency goes around and kills people that have got away with horrific, horrendous, awful crimes. So you're like the punisher, but with, but with fiendish traps rather than just shooting them. Um, so basically there'll be like this guy who was a war criminal and killed 20,000 people in his native nation and has now escaped to the West and you're going to take him out. Uh, and it's all done through this uh, stylized um, sort of isometric view, like God's eye view for you. You're looking down um, and you're and they, they all, all the bad guys look the same. They all have this. I guess they're, they're, what they're doing is they're using an avatar to represent the enemy. Put it that way. So they yeah. So they look the same. Yeah. Truth to life. <laughs> and then and then you you basically have to set off you have to basically plan the guy will walk through a route through a level every time and you have to think of ways to kill him in the level so it can be something as simple as you hack a car and then drive it into him and it runs him over or you can suspend a piano above the street and drop it on him or you can take control of a crane with a wrecking ball and smash it into him and then, you know, as the, the game progresses, you know, in this sort of mobile-esque um, developmental structure, you know, the, you know, you get the star ratings and you unlock the subsequent levels and each subsequent level, you know, builds on the one before, adding more twists and getting more difficult. 
uh, but the, set, the the concept stays the same other than some bonus levels which will maybe twist it around a little bit where for example there was a bonus level i was playing where it was like a zombies and i had to kill 40 zombies before they reached me at the end point of the level and then i'd have died so i had to then set up traps more quickly and stuff you couldn't just reset it you had to be like uh, that wasn't actually that much fun because i think that the fun element of the game is working out what's in the environment working out and then working out how to use that creatively to kill the bad guy and that's that's what this game is like yeah, it's got a good look uh it's got hitman but you're not in it you're not in the level yourself you're you're like god's eye view you're basically this force that affects the uh, surroundings to to kill the kill the dude kill your target kill the bad guy right. yeah um and I, i'm I, i'm gonna so try and play a little bit more of this lemmings yeah that, that's that's not a bad way of putting it that kind of makes sense yeah um and it's got this very clean white aesthetic um it almost feels like it's like trying to say it's like a training facility almost i don't know if the only time you only get any story is in the, like the loading screen you know right there there's like flavor text usually about five six lines and it's well written and humorous stuff that gets across why that particular bad guy has to die and each level has different flavor text which i quite like there's clearly some thought and creativity has gone into that though that's not really story it's more like a setup that each level is different uh, and so each level is very much a self-contained experience. The only sort of progression you get is building upon what you're learning about how in objects interact with each other uh, and how you can do different things with different, you know, some of them aren't obvious, like a rope with a tree. And then you can pick up another object and put it on the tree. In one case, I put a dog on the tree and then I cut the rope fired the dog at the guy the dog yeah. exploded on impact into lots of bits yeah, but also yeah. killed the bad guy who hasn't done that yeah i guess that's a, that's a common form of murder now i think about it yeah. <laughs> yeah it happens happens quite a bit but it's fun and it's silly and it's tough and it's hard, and, you know, some of the stuff is quite difficult and i've definitely got stuck on certain levels and it has a nice eureka moment you know when you get it and you work out what you got to do um, usually through trial and error more than actually like logic puzzles or anything like that you have to really you just end up clicking click click does that interact with that no it doesn't it's kind of in that way like almost like a point and click adventure game where you're yeah. just like taking every object and seeing if it will interact with another um but i, I like it i think it's it's quirky and fun and I'll, I'll have a review for that as well soon cool. oh. uh any any questions or anything about any of, any of this so far otherwise i'll go into the into my final game which i played the last couple. game and to my last game, I do, I do. It's the problem there's just two of us, and I played all the games. I end up kind of monologuing. Um, but yeah, if you want to interrupt at any point, please do. Now, this this game is interesting. This game is interesting because of the controversy that came up around it before I actually got a code to play it. <laughs> so I was like aware of this before playing it, which I think was a little bit unfair in a way. Have you? This game is Dead Effect 2. Did you hear about any of this controversy, Richard? No, I didn't. Okay, so... Tell me. I didn't get this code directly from the developer. Code from Xbox. And I get quite a few codes, which is brilliant. You know, that's, that's how it works sometimes. And so, therefore, I never interacted with him. So, I didn't get this letter that he sent to the people that asked for codes directly from him. Or their company, you know, Bad Fly Interactive. I don't know necessarily. This was the form response that was sent to everybody. I don't know exactly who wrote this. It's part of the controversy is saying maybe this was the PR company. But basically, um, he goes, "Oh, we're a small little indie developer. You know, 
please consider this game when you're reviewing it in the light of the fact that we're a small team and you know you know therefore you know we don't have the production levels of really triple a kind of thing and that's like oh yeah yeah sure 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 obviously understandable and then at the end he wrote this this was this was taken verbatim from what was sent out to uh critics also we're working on several other games that are definitely interesting and if your review or preview of dead effect 2 is very negative you won't receive any keys from us in the future uh that's a mistake that sounds like that sounds a lot like a threat doesn't it yeah. Doesn't that sound like a threat saying we're going to blacklist you if you don't give us good uh, a good review? And it's a bit like, oh, dude. They, in fairness to them, they uh, immediately when this was pointed out to them <coughs> as a bad move, retracted it, apologized, did all of that. You know, uh, pointing out that we just wanted, we we're a small indie studio. That's what they were trying to do, and that you know, um, you know, lesson learned. You know, English isn't their first language. And lots of excuses like this and I, you know i i kind of understand where they're coming from that you know what they're trying to say is that and what they say in their statement in reply to this sort of controversy was that you know we don't want to throw more good code after bad you know we don't want to send code out to people that are just going to be dicks that are doing that whole kind of you know what they're looking at i think there is things like jim's jimquisition right Jim Sterling stuff, where he will just yeah. like, get on a game. When it, and to be fair, they're always terrible games that deserve this. But then he will just ride it into the ground and he will just tear it apart, you know? And there are copycats that I think maybe don't have the same level of understanding of the industry and the understanding of development that, like Jim Sterling. And that they're just ripping into shit because it's fun and because they can get hits. So they yeah. don't, you know, bad fly. That's the difference. I don't think Jim Sterling yeah. does it for fun. No. He no, 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 no. But what Badfly are worried about are those types of people just you're wasting code on them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasting code on them. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I see get what why I they'd want to do it. I totally get why they'd want to do that. But by the same token, you can't. It's obvious. You just can't. You can't. You shouldn't write that in an email to developer, uh, no. to a, sorry, to a critic or a video game blogger or a guy on Twitch or anybody because it's just like, oh, you're threatening them. And it's like, what do you know? God, somebody should have run that past somebody, maybe an English native English speaker, and got it proved or something. Because it just, you know, that that blew up a little bit a few weeks ago. Um, so when I got this game, I was kind of curious about it. Anyway, basically, Dead Effect Two sequel to Dead Effect, which I didn't really know about. Um, but it's like a it's like a horror sci-fi first-person shooter. So I think kind of like a Dead Space. Um, I was thinking Dead Space. I was thinking a cross between Dead Space and Mass Effect. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not so much the Mass Effect. More, more like Dead Space and like Fear. Right. I guess would be the two that come to mind. Like mixing them up. Uh, and look, look, you, you. Uh, I've talked about this controversy, but you have to call a spade a spade. You know, this game isn't great. I mean, for a start, it looks pretty shonky. It's got some really, really bad UI design throughout, like from main menus to to quick inventory menus. Everything the UI is fucking terrible, confusing. Um, but at the same time, there there is some fun in there. Um, there's a, it's a first person shooter, like I said. The biggest problem, the biggest problem. Well, I was talking about how gunplay feel, felt in Resident Evil, right? <laughs> this makes the gunplay in Resident Evil feel like fucking Call of Duty. Um, the biggest problem that the gunplay in Dead Effect 2 has is that when you pull the trigger, there is a notable noticeable delay between pulling the trigger and the gun going off. Oh no. Every single time. 
and it's not like a nanosecond, right? It's it's noticeable. Um, you get kind of used to it the more you play, but that's that's not good. That's just like fundamentally wrong. If you're gonna make a first-person shooter, there shouldn't feel like there's any latency from the input to the action on the screen. For Christ's sake, man! If you're gonna do one thing right, you need to do that. That's that's the one thing. Um, however, like the I actually started to get into the whole terrible voice acting thing. The whole this has clearly been written by non-English speakers element to it. it. It becomes really silly and very stupid. Uh, and look, blowing away um, 50 zombies that are charging at you, you know, with a shotgun is fun. It's a fun thing. There are enemies, however, that are like soldiers with guns. Fighting them is less fun. But fighting like the monsters and the creatures, that feels good. You know, blowing limbs off and they've got different types of monsters and creatures. It's quite an ambitious game, actually. It's not just a linear single-player experience. There's this hub where you have different characters that can do upgrades and you can get different armor and you can get different guns and you can upgrade the guns and you can upgrade your character. You get special powers. You can... Um, then there's, like, different ways of playing the game. So you've got the single-player missions. Then there's, like, horde play horde missions. And then there's replayable missions. So there's just, like, RPG elements throughout the game as well. So maybe, to be honest, maybe your joke about Mass Effect earlier wasn't that far off. Maybe that was the initial inspiration because these guys are really shot for the moon with their game design. They've, they've really tried to do a lot here. And I think what they should have done, perhaps, would be instead of trying to do all of it, all these, you can see them, can't you? You can see them all getting around going, hey, we're going to put this in. Yeah. We're going to put that in. We're going to do this and that and that and this and this and this. And, oh, that all sounds awesome. Let's do it. And then, oh, there's only four of us or whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, well, we can't we can't spend that much time on the shooting because uh, we, we need to build the hub. Uh, or we can't spend that much time on the voice recording or the writing because we need to do the sound effects because, you know, we've got lots, every monster sounds different and all this stuff, all these ambitions. And they've just tried to do too much when really they should have just focused on making it feel like a good shooter first and then seeing what they could do with it. Um, and I love, you know, you know us at BXP, we love indies that are ambitious, don't we? We love that. We love to see people striving for the moon with their game design and really going for it. And these guys have really gone for it, but they, they just haven't pulled it off. And it just, it just feels bad. <laughs> I mean, because oh. obviously they would have put a lot of effort into it. Oh God. Yeah. You can see the effort. Yeah. If man. Their, if their inspiration is so brazenly other games that they just want to be a bit like i'm just looking at the box art now and i'm not far wrong on the mass effect thing because the logo for dead effects one is the mass effects logo cool just check out check out the typeface it's the same all right i mean i'm gonna google that right now yeah i'm curious right, yeah it's um yeah dead effect two. oh jesus christ yeah it's wow the same isn't it and dead effect yeah. two has got the dead space typeface pretty much so yeah they're wearing their influences on their sleeve. Oh, I think this might be looking at some of this. Perhaps this was um, a port, like an a port from mobile, perhaps. Because yeah, yeah, iOS in 2013. Uh, this is for the first game. iOS 2013, Android uh, 2013, Windows 2014. So these games actually started off as mobile games, and that does explain a little bit about the UI. Um, and it also explains about the fact that the shooting isn't tuned to feel great, like in a conventional shooter. Because if you're playing that on iOS, it's probably a much more forgiving platform for a little bit of input delay. Um, you're not going to notice it as much, are you? 
as you were right. if you're playing it on console. You're not going to hold it, hold it to as high a standard. Um, well, no. Firing on a touchscreen is going to be fire on release, isn't it? So there'll be that delay from the input. So, I mean, yeah, so that that that, that, that gives me. Yeah, that gives me. So yeah, iOS and Android was uh, God blimey for Dead Effect Two, twenty eighth of October two thousand fifteen. Uh, Windows was February of last year. Xbox One was January this year. So to be fair, look, they ported that a, six months after their the, the portable version. They got it on PC, right? And then a year later than PC, it came to consoles. So it's not like there wasn't a huge amount of time there to tweak and improve and to actually make it play. Yeah. decently on on the platform so it's not like a quick port um so that i don't think forgives everything though it does explain where some of the design elements uh, originate hmm. um i i think it's i i like the setting i like so you're in the spaceship right uh, and this spaceship is traveling uh, vast distances to colonize an, another another earth-like planet uh, and because of that uh, and the lack of like oversight that happens on the ship. Crazy experiments have happened because they haven't got to follow the laws and stuff. So that's why you've got monsters. That's why you've got like a super soldier to characters to fight them. There are three different fully voiced playable characters in this game. That's the level of ambition here, right? So you can play as any of those three and they're voiced differently with different dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. So like, God damn it. You've got, you've got NPCs you can talk to with dialogue trees, all fully voiced. It's all terrible voice acting. And it's all badly written, but it is all fully voiced. And like, there's so much ambition in this game. It's just boiling over with concepts and ideas that even a AAA studio would be like, oh, hold on, we might need to cut that because I don't think we're going to be able to pull that off as well as the rest of it, you know? Um, it seems like, like it's just on the wrong platform then, don't you think? Because that's the sort of thing where if it was on an iPhone or whatever, you'd think, you know, even if it doesn't quite work, look at this, it's on a phone. Look at all of this stuff. And it would be pretty cool, but um, on an Xbox One or PS4, the competition's too hard. I, I, to I imagine the character design and the, and the graphics and stuff would look good on a mobile as well, but on yeah. a 1080p TV, it just looks like a, it looks like a game. Well, it came out, right? So it came out this one in 2015. So it's two years ago, right? Hmm. Coming up on two years ago, 18 months ago on, on, on a phone. So it's looking dated because of that. So when it was originally designed and, and, and put together and clearly they've tried to up textures and things like that. Uh, you know, they've got the highest resolution stuff that they, they would have had from that development, but yeah, it, do, it doesn't look right on consoles either. I mean, it, it's not got, there's nothing about it that, that stands out as good. Everything. I think the best it ever gets to is like, um, it works. <laughs> it's yeah. serviceable. And then there's a lot of stuff that then drags it down off of that as well. Um, it's a curious little experiment, though. And, um, you know, I don't I don't hate Badfly um, for anything. It'd be interesting to see what they do in the future, actually, because I love that ambition that's on display there. I just think they need to shine the, you know, get the polish out and really, really shine it up before uh, before you put it out on a, on a major console or Windows platform. Yeah, it's just I mean, not. It's just not good enough. If, if that's what they've done and it's kind of a mobile port, then it makes me even less sympathetic about their approach to critics. So not saying anything negative about it, because it's quite a cynical move in the first place to release a game that is meant for mobile on a home home console. Yeah, that, and um, wow, how much are we seeing that nowadays? Oh my God. Just fly. I mean, it's like the, 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 game, the game loft games that you get on mobile devices. 
yeah we, we know they're knockoffs of call of duty and um halo and whatever if mm. they were ported to xbox one how would they go down i mean it's not it's fine on a phone isn't it what are those call of duty knockoffs that they do what are they called oh um it's not like it's not like infinite war or something like that or no no i can't i'm not sure I'm not uh, sure. But anyway, they do something that's blatantly ripped off from Call of Duty. And if they brought it out on a device that has Call of Duty, that ain't working. And th- this is what this feels like. It, it, it's probably fine on its home sort of home turf, but not on an Xbox. No, well, yeah, like yeah, it's a good point. When you've got when you've got comparisons um, of high quality first person shooters, you know, and there's not like there's a shortage of them. Um, you know, why Why would you spend the money on this? Why would you buy this? Yeah. You just, it does, it's something, I mean, it, what what it is a little bit reminiscent of as well is Doom. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. but it's it's just really bad Doom. <laughs> like really, really, really bad Doom. Um, yeah. The visuals actually remind me a little bit of Doom 3. Um, they look about as good as Doom 3. Uh, and you think about when that came out. So, yeah. yeah. It's not great. Yeah, that's I that's. Did, I did think Doom, but you can pick up Doom, the new one, for like ten, fifteen quid now. So, and you should. <laughs> you <laughs> damn well should. <laughs> Between. <us. laughs> I'd go for. I'm trying to find out where uh, Bad Flyer based actually right now. I think it's someone like I think they're Polish, possibly. Um. Bolivia. Yeah. Oh no, Czech. They are Czech. They are from the Czech Republic. There you go, Bolivia. Yeah, the narco state. That's that's where they're making it. It's actually one giant advert for this game will be so much better if you've taken loads of cocaine. Um, <laughs> like loads of it. And then just tons, mountains of it. Um, so that thing brings us to the, to the end of uh, the games and stuff. Um, have you have you found our little date, Richard? Has it been nice? Yeah, I think um, I'd do it again. You do it again. Maybe, maybe next, maybe next Valentine's Day we'll do another podcast, just the two of us, just to be romantic. And I didn't get the candles though. Um, I did, I did, however, get your present, and it that is an impressive footlong. Um, I, you know, I don't want to put it on camera because I might frighten some of the people with uh, the the weaker sensibilities. So it's I don't want to. For them, it's just meant for me. That's it. It's... It's very, it's very private. And I think before we go, um, something I don't think we did last time, but we had so many games still about last time. Shout out to the other Sterling creators putting out content on BXB Games at the moment. So Stephen, Stephen has done a couple of reviews. He really, 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 really liked West Dorado Double Barreled. And I can also confirm that that is a fucking great game. Have you played any West Dorado Double Barreled on Xbox or anywhere else, Richard? No. It's cool, man. It's like this 2D pixel art Red Dead Redemption where you basically have to go around like doing quests and, and talking to people and finding the killers of your family and who burnt your... And it's randomly generated. So because it's pixel art, you've got like different colored hats and shirts and trousers and shoes, right? So the more people you talk to, they'll give you like one element of what they were wearing. Like They'll tell you their shoes were green, right? So you then have to find out what color the shirt was. But then you can accuse and then shoot any NPC in the game at any time. Be like, you, you're the one that burned down my house and killed my family. Boom, blow him in the head, shoot him away. That's great. Uh, and, that, and that might not actually be the right person. Guess who it's with guns? So cool. Why has no one done that before? Yeah, 
basically guess who with guns yeah that's, that's a fucking good way of describing it it's really really cool it's a really really cool game and uh steven loved it as well i did a review of that and he also did a review of momonga which only went up today pinball adventures i literally have no idea what that is other than it has a panda in it and something to do with pinball but i'm confused by do you know anything about that richard uh, well, I proofed the review, and apparently it's a pinball game with a flying squirrel, which is like a is that a is a momonga a type of flying squirrel? I think so, but apparently there's not that much flying in it. It's mainly pinball. So okay, a missed opportunity to fly about as a squirrel, which we are still waiting for in 2017. Someone developed that game. Always. Um, now, this is really cool. And this is actually coming... Uh, this is a game that's coming to um, game preview on Xbox in the spring. So some point in the next couple of months. But trust me, I have watched a lot of Cameron playing this on Twitch now because he's streaming it under the official BXB Games Twitch, which can be found at twitch.tv slash BXB Games. And he's been streaming and did an early look at Conan Exiles. And this looks awesome i absolutely can't wait for this to come to xbox one so it's dark fantasy set you know in the in the conan universe um but it's also got a vibe of like uh, a bit of arc about it so like building and scavenging and building up a city with other people if you wanted um and also like there's play for player versus player and there's lots of different creatures in the world to fight and scavenge and it just looks really well done I'm really excited to see that come to Xbox, and I look forward to playing it. I only gave him the code because my PC couldn't hope to play that. Uh, otherwise, I'd have been all over it. I do love a bit of Conan. Um, so this is this is that's looking fucking sweet, like really, really, really good. He also did a review. Go on. I was going to say it's good to hear because Conan's been a bit hit and miss when it comes to video game interpretations, hasn't he? It has a bit. Yeah, I don't really remember there ever being a particularly standout great one. Um, to be honest, off the top of my head. Uh, he also he also reviewed, Cameron also reviewed this weird game, Don't Chat With Strangers, which seems like this very small little indie game in which it's like point and click, um, kind of like a chat interface where you're talking with someone online, a stranger online, and yeah. weird supernatural shit happens and you get murdered in various different ways if you don't give the correct response. Um, odd, odd game, but looks quite interesting. Um Joel, of course, who was here with us two weeks ago, also um, did the full review of Subterrain, which he talked about extensively, me and him, on the show two weeks ago, and he loved it, like we knew, and gave it, I believe, a five-star review there. Um, worth mentioning here, actually, Richard wasn't present for this because he was a sick, sick, poor little bunny rabbit uh, a week ago. But we actually um, recorded, and it's in this feed as well, uh, we recorded our first ever BXB Shoot the Shit, our wrestling podcast, Richard, you listened. What did you think? I thought it was good. Yeah. I was bummed out I couldn't be on it because uh, it's all about uh, Royal Rumble, wasn't it? I really enjoyed Royal it. Rumble? Yeah. So, yeah. You enjoyed the Royal Rumble? Like, yeah. really? Yeah, I did. Really? Even well, the Rumble? Well, the yeah, I mean, the event itself was had some pretty good right. matches. The Rumble itself. It did, except the Rumble. The Rumble was terrible. But. <laughs> Well, I don't think it can ever be terrible. I always love the Rumble, however bad it is. I mean, number... Oh, this was really bad, though. Yeah. Really uh, bad. Number 30 was pretty bad. But I did win 40 quid, so... Not not a bad Rumble for old Richard. How did you you win 40 quid? What did you bet on? Got kids to bet tenner each, didn't I? 
Sarah, Sarah better tenor as well. And, and you uh, picked Orton. I drew Orton. Oh, you drew him. Oh, that's lucky. Jesus Christ, mate. Nice one. Nicely yeah. done indeed. Uh, you also reviewed uh, Shantae, didn't you? Yeah. Did we not talk about that last time? I think we did. I just, I'm just looking through the site right now, to be honest. Sorry. Uh, oh, oh, Adam reviewed. Uh, she remember Capulus. He's not here today, but make sure you check out his review. It's always, it's always good and worth checking out. Very well, uh, very well, well done video review. I think that brings us up to date. Yes, it does. Um, the next few weeks are crazy for video games. <laughs> like, like there is so much coming out. Um, can I remember? Let me think of it off the top of my head. I might have to check an email because I was talking to somebody about this. But Sniper Elite, the new Sniper Elite game is out. That's one four. of them. Sniper Elite 4. I mean, 3 was actually excellent. Um, did you ever get around to playing Sniper Elite 3? Yeah, I did. I played it a bit because it was on... Was it Games with Gold? Xbox. Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, no. It was It was on Xbox, though. It was, well, it? Yeah, it was 360, and then they did a an Xbox One port, didn't they? That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I think I played the 360 one because that was Games of Gold. But um, yeah, oh, that was all right. Okay. We got that. We got For Honor, which I dabbled in the beta uh, on PlayStation, actually, uh, a few days ago. And immediately realized I sucked so bad at this game. Like, that is not a game for me. I am going to If I play that, I'm just going to get annihilated, like, repeatedly. Um, so the, for, the concept of For Honor is basically medieval versus viking versus samurai sword fighting mm. uh in a in a multiplayer setting um and uh, have you played any of it richard no of course not the only reason because it's all to do with like positional combat so basically um you can hold your sword either high guard left guard or right guard mm. yes like like the shaving company um and then from that position you can either <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah. yeah. So if you just leave it in that position, it will it will block an attack, right? From that that the equivalent from your opponent coming in from the right. Yeah. You're holding to the right. You'll block it, right? Uh, if, however, you you can also then attack. So it's this kind of like chess. So you're faking out. You know, you can see what they're they're holding in, right? So you go over to them and they're like, oh, he's got a top guard, right? So you come in from the right, but he switched at the last minute and he's blocked me. So there's a lot of like feints. Um, there's like disruptive attacks. There's trying to deal with multiple attacks from different opponents at the same time. Um, it is... I just got destroyed, Richard. I can't even begin to tell you how much I was murdered. I played for about an hour. Uh, I did all right against the AI and stuff. And you can play, the like I think, pretty much all the modes against AI. Um, however, when I went and played against real people, that there's been multiple betas and alphas at this point. I don't know if they'd just been good at them and been playing for a while or what, but in this beta, I was just dead. Like, I couldn't even land a single hit. Oh, I just got, I just felt very old and very bad. Yeah. So that was... Welcome to my life. Uh, we've got Halo Wars 2 in the next couple of weeks as well. I think that's next week. Um, hard to get excited about that, though. Richard, you really messed up then, like Wi-Fi wise. You turned uh, to um, a freeze frame. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I was just saying, Halo Wars Two is coming up, and they're doing quite funny comedy marketing videos. Have you seen any of those? No, I haven't. They're doing. doing... For the past two weeks, I've been looking at Nintendo Switch videos every day, and nothing else, because that's in two weeks' time. God, it is, isn't it? 
Mm. Start of March, yeah. Um, I, I don't feel excited in the slightest, but I'm glad you are. Um, these comedy, these comedy videos for Halo Wars Two involve things like Atronox, which is the brute guy, and Cutter, I want to say, or something like that. Carter, maybe, is the Earth guy, and it's like, ah, I'm going to outthink him over this situation, and it's like buying a used car. Uh. Um, so there's these two, these two Halo characters over this old used car, and it's like, ah, he's offered me this price. I'm gonna do, like, I'm gonna pretend to walk away. And it's like he's doing like um, an eternal monologue throughout it. It's, mm. quite, it's quite amusing. And then the other one was on an airplane. And they're sat next to each other in an airplane. And he takes the armrest from him. And it's like, I'm going to use this strategy to get the armrest back. Oh, I'm going to stare at him until he gets weirded out. Um, it's quite funny. But also shows no gameplay, has nothing to do with an RTS. And really, I, I, I like the fact that it's different. But it, it also screams this game isn't going to sell anything. Like they are, they are shitting themselves about how no one is going to buy Halo Wars Two, um, but we'll see. I suppose I, I don't, I don't think it's going to do very well. No. Uh, well and it, then it, it killed its last studio, so <laughs> yeah. If I was Creative Assembly, I'd be worried. Uh, and then finally, yeah, like we were talking about a minute ago, the beta just finished, um, but Ghost Recon Wildlands will be out as well. So, and then after that, Mass Effect Andromeda at the end of March. And that's ignoring and that's ignoring, like you said, the Switch and Zelda and whatever other launch games they can scramble together at the last minute that are probably indies that have been out for two years. Horizon um, oh God, I do you know I don't even I don't weirdly I know the buzz has been really good about that, but I do not feel excited for that game in the slightest. Then you're mentally ill, Benjamin, because it's the best looking game of the first half of the year. Maybe it's because I don't have a PS4 Pro and I'm worried that it's not going to look great on my my OG PS4. Maybe it's because I just don't care about another big open world game right now. Oh, it looks so I, good though. It looks like a proper different. Yeah, but why does it look? What? Why does it look good? What? What part of it looks different to you? I mean, they were describing. I, I was listening to coverage about it and they were describing how you know, oh, there's this giant walking dinosaurs with these long necks and you can get up to the top and you can and you can take them and when you take them. It reveals the map. And I just went, oh, so it's a tower, like in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> like you... in every other open world game ever. Did you not watch the early videos of it? Though? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hunting combat stuff looked looked interesting, but it didn't exactly, didn't really grab me. I mean, that's one small element. Some of the things I'm not a fan of, I don't like the character design that much. I don't like the... Oh. the the setting, the post-post-apocalyptic setting, has since that was originally announced, has already started to feel unoriginal because there's quite a lot of that happening at the moment. Um, so I just, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it, I might maybe when when Mass Effect's out of the way and stuff, maybe for the summer I'll, I'll pick it up or something. Um, when it's if we get a quiet period um, in the middle of the year, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not super hyped. I'm not super, super hyped, but yeah, like you said, though, another big release, though, in the middle of all this. Like, that's March 1st in the UK, I believe, Horizon. So it's so many games for this point in the year. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah. yeah this, this period used to be bonkers, dead. Man. So, yeah, yep. Amazing. You'd be dead from about about late January through to, like, well, like, September was very yeah. quiet, wasn't it, really? Let's be honest. 
<laughs> so yeah, that, I'm glad that's gone away and that games are paced and spread out a bit more throughout the year now. I think that's really good. But uh, crazy that we've got so many big releases coming in fucking late February and March. Bonkers. So we're going to be busy. Lots of games to play. Exciting times. So make sure you stick to BXB Games in all the places you can find us. So on Twitch, on Twitter, and Facebook, we are BXB Games. Easy to find. Um, we have a BXB Games club on xbox one also called bxb games we have a bxb games beam streaming service which i will be setting up shortly uh, on one of my we do i've set it up and it will be um associated with my console at some point soon so i can start doing that uh because i get the impression the xbox guys are kind of dropping twitch so it, it, i feel like they're moving to their own platform which is Beam. that's a microsoft company thing so um yep so we try and beam out Christ knows what that means, but I'll be giving that a go soon. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think. Is there anybody else, anywhere else we're at? I can't remember. PlayStation Group, which I basically never log on to the PlayStation, so I almost always forget that's there. But yeah, there is one. There is one. Uh, is that BXB Games as well, or is that just BXB? I can't BXB remember. BXB Games, I believe. Oh, cool. I changed it. Well done, me. Um, and I am, of course, at DIYE on Twitter. Richard is at Colonel Red. I think that brings us to the end of the show. A little bit shorter than usual, as we're under two hours. Um, that's an hour we, and... I thought we might struggle to go that long, actually, just the two of us, because um, I'm notoriously quieter than you. But uh... Oh, don't worry, mate. If, if I could do a show by myself and go two hours. So... <laughs> <laughs> I could just waffle, mate. I just, like, shit comes to mind, and I'm just, like, putting it out there. Um, but we're back in two weeks. We're obviously talking about a lot more video games. The wrestling podcast will be less consistent. We'll try and look if Elimination Chamber is amazing um, tomorrow night. We might throw one together next week. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It depends if it blows us away with cool twisty revelations. It, you never know. It might. Uh, and hopefully, Richard, you'll join us for that, which would be nice. Woo-hoo. Okay. So that's the end of BXP's Bits and Bobs episode nineteen. We will see you in two weeks with episode twenty, which is a pretty. Imp- milestone look forward to that and i look forward to talking to you all bye bye bye